Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. What does testing do to your faith? When you're confronted with hardship for the sake of Jesus, does it cause you to withdraw from God's Word, to put distance between you and God's Word, which is the source of the hardship? Or does it, does it cause you may, maybe to think about it this way? Uh, you have your shield and you're now engaged with battle. Does it cause you to drop the shield and run off the battlefield? Or do you love the battle and cling to the shield and stay grounded in the engagement? Do you love the battle? Does testing cause you to cling to the cross of Christ more than ever before? And with each wave of testing, grab firmer and firmer to that which is your shield, your faith. Our sermon text this morning is the gospel reading, Luke 8, 4 to 15. The seed that is sown is the word of God. It's Christ himself, sown upon the cross in his crucifixion and recorded in the scriptures to be sown in your hearts by the preaching of the word as the Holy Spirit implants that seed within you and brings it to fruition. Jesus tells the disciples what the parable of the sower means. Look at 8, 11 to 15 with me, if you would. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. doesn't get any more simple than that. There is what the parable means. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes, takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe, may not be saved. The ones on the rocks are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. They love that they hear the word, but then they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, these are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Woe to be an American. And I mean that because of our pleasures of life and our riches and all the things we have, our creature comforts, we have a lot of thorns that can choke out our faith. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. That's patience under persecution, endurance on the battlefield. The birds of the air have devoured much seed in Ferndale, I would say across Humboldt County, and this is apparent. We can see it. We can make that declaration based on externals, even as we pray that it would not be the case. The devil and his demonic flock of birds have plucked Jesus out of the hearts of many of our neighbors. Some, quite sadly, have already died in such a state. Others who 
remain with us still have time to repent. If only they will hear the word again, believe in Christ crucified, and be saved. We endure with patience precisely for these souls. We endure the attacks, suffer persecution precisely for these souls. Testing is upon us, my friends, and the temptation to fall away is exceedingly great. Cyril Cyril of Alexandria said this of the rootless seed, there are men whose faith has not been proved. Their piety, and that That's to say their religious life, their expression of their Christianity is sapless and without root. When they enter the churches, they joyfully receive instruction in the sacraments from the pastor, the mysteries, the secrets. But when they go out of the churches, at once they forget the sacred doctrines and they go about their customary course, life as usual not having stored up within themselves anything for their future benefit. It's all right here, right now. No sap flowing through them for the future. And here the law presses upon all of our hearts, I would say. It does mine. As we ask the question, how do I live outside of these walls? Beyond Sunday morning, how do I live? You ask yourself this same question. Perhaps tomorrow you'll ask it this way. Is my piety, my Christianity, sapless and without root? Or am I walking the walk? Talking the talk? Are you a Sunday morning Christian? Not storing up anything for your future benefit? Not even thinking of your far future, but your Monday benefit? About Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the rest of the week. Upon leaving church, do you leave the Word of God behind you? You'll come back to it next week. Categorizing your life. Christianity, my Christian belief, is for my Sunday morning with that group of people. The rest of the week, well, that's for other things. For these group of people? Do you put on a show for your brothers only to suspew vile words or to have a conduct that is unbecoming of a Christian? Because you know this congregation won't see you, won't know you. Do you disobey God when you leave this assembly? That is to ask The Ananias and Sapphira question for those who come to the Bible study on Wednesday. We've been recently around that quite a bit. Do you mock the Lord by gaming your Christian friends, playing us as the fools? Powerful questions. And all of these questions are to ask the same one. Are you sapless and without root? The seed sown on the rock. If you think this of yourself, I would say, repent. And by the end of the sermon, I hope you will see yourself in a more gospel-tainted light. Tainted doesn't sound right. Gospel-shaded light. That sounds more pleasant. Tainted has a negative connotation. 
See, we've lived with such peace in our land that our faith hasn't often been tested, truly tested. When it is, we miss the opportunity and we end up failing the test. Cyril, again, there are many men whose faith has not been proved. Amen, Cyril. We have, generally speaking, in America become so spiritually blind and deaf that seeing we don't see and hearing we don't understand, just as Jesus said in the parable, we haven't the slightest idea of what Christian testing looks like. We think it looks something like this. This is how I reflected on it this week for myself. I sin, and then I give little attention to it. Of course, who wants to focus on their own sin? My sins then cause problems in my life, but I'm in a state of denial, so I blame everyone else and everything other than myself for the hardship I face. But then, being the Christian that I am, I say, the devil's attacking me. I must be a threat to him. Of course I am. Oh, how great I am. I love to glory in myself. And because I'm a Christian, I run the, the greatest risk of all, and I conclude that all of this must be a test from the Lord. As I thought about that this week, this cyclical cycle we live in, constantly doing this, I thought, no, no, Ty, that's you sinning and then pinning the blame on a boogeyman and then ultimately pinning the blame on God. That's not testing. That's just you being a nincompoop. Cyril continues. If the, Lord, if the affairs of Christians go on peacefully and no trial disturbs them, everything's peachy, even then they scarcely maintain the faith and they do that in a confused and tottering state. So it's almost more dangerous to live in a time without testing because we become confused and tottering. Our season of peace in America has left us precisely in this state. And we are scarcely able to maintain the faith. And if we don't own this reality, my friends, if we don't repent of it and let our roots grow into the blood meal seasoned soil of Christ's cross, we will only believe for a while. And when actual testing comes upon us, we will fall away. Cyril comments some more. When persecution troubles them and the enemies of the church, the truth, attack these churches of the Savior, their heart does not love the battle. And their mind throws away the shield and flees. And so I ask the question for today's sermon. Do you love the battle? What a phrase. It runs so, so contrary to the ways we want to think about Christianity. When persecution troubles them, the saints, the church, the Christians, and the enemies of the truth attack the churches of the Savior, their heart does not love the battle, and their mind throws away the shield and they flee. So that's the point for today. Dear saint, what does testing do to your faith? Does it make you love the battle? Or does it make you want to flee because it's uncomfortable? When you're confronted with hardship because of the name of Jesus, 
Does it cause you to withdraw from God's word or to cling to it? Do you find yourself begging the Lord for more? Please, sir, can I have some more? Persecution, suffering in the name of Jesus. Does your heart love the believer's battle? If it doesn't love the battle, repent. Repent and believe in Christ Jesus for whose sake it is an honor to suffer the cross. I don't love that I succumb to temptation and hurt people with my sin. That's not testing. That's not the battle. That's me being an evil idiot and needing to repent. Needing to drown my old Adam in the waters of baptism. And that's a daily activity. There's nothing to love about sinning. There's nothing to love about doing injury to our neighbors. There's nothing to love about a foul mouth or a weak will or undisciplined heart whose faith hasn't been proved. I'm not a threat to the devil like that. My sin is not my test, but the evidence that I failed it. And we don't love sin. We love that the Lord tests our faith through persecution because of the name of Jesus. We love what Cyril calls the battle. What Christian wouldn't say he loves the battle? Because it's an honor. It's an honor to be cherished. As we just read this past Wednesday in Bible study, Acts 5, 40 to 42. And when the authorities had called in the apostles, they beat them and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then because of popular opinion, they had to let him go. The disciples left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor in the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple, which is where they were proclaiming it before, and from house to house, (laughs) spreading the missionary efforts, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. That we wish to avoid suffering for the Lord. That we, our our instinctive reaction is to prefer peace over persecution. That is an indictment of our faith. That's convicting us. It's the result of a time of peace. And it shows us that a fruitless generation has grown up. Where we do not have rich sap flowing down into our roots. We have taken ease for granted. The Lord blessed us, this whole land, He's blessed us with a season of peace for the the proclamation of the gospel, and we've taken it for granted. That we hear the love of persecution as odd in our ears. That, That guy's insane. What's he talking about? Indicates how dangerously small our roots are. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. Dear saints, what I've said is truth. Painted in a broad stroke of the church in America today. 
But now, allow me the honor of grabbing the detailed brush and painting in the small little truth that goes with that. We here at St. Mark are being tested. As we most certainly know, you don't need my brush in my hand to tell you that. Not for any sin on our part. Our test hasn't come because we sinned against our community. Quite the opposite. But because we didn't. As the memory verse on the bulletin board points out, we did what is right. It is not a sin. We are suffering. We are being tested because of the name of Jesus. Because we are Christians. And some from our assembly have fallen away. Not many, but a few. We have and are being tested. And you are those. You are those who are being proved to be faithful. Men whose faith has been proved, is being proved, as Cyril is putting it. You are here. Despite all the persecution, you are here. And the assembly is growing. More and more people are having their faith tested in their own little spheres of their lives and their world. And they are saying, yes, yes, I do believe in Jesus. Yes, I will put my name with those folks there. Yes, they can have my amen, truly, truly. I'm looking at many faces who weren't here at the beginning of the persecution and have now willingly stepped forward to be a part of this because their faith was tested privately in their own hearts when it got started here publicly. The Lord was working in their little nook of the world and they said, "Ah, thank you, Lord. Yes, I am a Christian. And now they're part of our regular gathering. Praise be to God. The seed of the word is sown with reckless abandon. And I see so many faces that are in the good soil. I see all of you with roots that are reaching deeper and deeper into the crucified cross of our Lord. I see sap emerging from where the flowers are blooming and where the fruit is ready to grow as we endure with patience and not for yourselves, but for the souls around us who don't know the Lord, for all those that you're praying for day in and day out who you see need help, the same help you know yourself are in need of. I see men and women with faith that has been, is being, and most certainly will be proved faithful. And not because you all deserve a pat on the back, although I think I just gave you one, because the Holy Spirit is at work within you. Praise be to God. Praise be to God that He has sown the the seed of the Word in your hearts, and He didn't just leave it there. He's also watering it and fertilizing it, Intending to that which is growing out of it? Jesus is who I see in each and every one of you. Our Savior. Your suffering is a connection to His suffering. 
And this is the truth of baptism being lived out in real time. You were baptized into the death of Christ and you are experiencing that to some degree as the world rages against you. As your old evil Adam rages within you, yes. But as the world rages against you from without and you, like the apostles of old, are willing to count it as honor to be shamed, to count it as a privilege to be dishonored in the eyes of the world. That, my friends, is the response of men and women who have been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, who can see, who have ears to hear and understand, and who have eyes to see and believe, and that is you. Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Amen.